Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Equipping and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And with me today is my friend and brother in Christ, James Coates. James, welcome back to Equipping and Grace, brother. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Nice. It's it's great to have you. And uh, can you catch us up on what's been happening in your life, marriage, ministry, and any ministry projects you're working on? I think it's been maybe a couple months or so. Yeah, ministry just carries on. I just wrapped up the Gospel of John and planning on heading into uh, the Epistle to the Romans next. And there may be maybe a little bit of a mini series in between that, but I'm still kind of working that out at the moment. So uh, things just carry on. Grace Life is doing well. The battle that we had with our governing authorities has since subsided quite a bit. And the political climate in Alberta has has adjusted quite a bit as well. And we've had uh, new leadership come in to, um, to lead the province as it relates to um, the, the party that's currently in government. And, and we're really grateful for the premier that's come in. She has been incredibly sympathetic and supportive of us and to us. And so things are going well on that front. Family's good. And we're just, I guess, gearing up for the festivities that revolve around the coming weekend. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, uh, praise the Lord. I'm thankful to hear that things are, you know, improving there. And uh, I know you're, you'll be excited to dive into Romans. That's a great book. So uh, we can you tell me, tell us a little bit about this book, uh, Preaching and Hearing God's Word, why you wrote it and how you hope it'll be received or is being received, I should say. Yeah, well, the book itself is the overflow of my doctor of ministry preaching project. And so when I was in the doctor of ministry, there was reading that I was doing on preaching that was actually moving the dial of my own heart with respect to the supremacy and primacy of preaching. And I had a high view of preaching already, but there were, there were expressions of theology of preaching that I was reading that were historic and, and rooted in even the theology of preaching of the Reformation, but also even seeing it coming out in the writing of guys that are writing at, at the moment, present day. And so that put me on this, this trajectory to want to do a preaching project that revolved around the theology of preaching. And I wanted it to be practical for our congregation. So I coupled it with the hearing side of it, that if, if this is what preaching is, then, then how then should we listen? And so um, my desire in in the preaching project itself was to solidify and crystallize an incredibly high view of preaching in our church and to impact the behavior of our congregation leading up to in and after the corporate gathering and so that was um that was sort of what led to me doing that preaching project i think that the preaching project had an impact even on our church as it related to our stance when it came time to battle our governing authorities with respect to COVID, because hmm. we had a high view of the corporate gathering, the centrality of preaching, 
uh, the the in-person aspect uh, of the corporate gathering. And so we we had laid some bricks that I think were really important when it came time to taking a stand for the in-person corporate gathering of the church on Sunday. So um, so now with that book being translated into um, or that project being translated into a book, uh, I would just want that book to serve the purpose of elevating uh, the, the theology of preaching in the minds and hearts of both preachers and congregations, that it would impact uh, the, the church universal with respect to uh, the way that the, the average Christian views preaching in the corporate gathering, and that through that, it would have a sanctifying impact and build up the body of Christ. That's awesome, brother. Yeah, I I really like the book. I think that it was it was really it was really well done. It was you know something I think that any of the the average Christian in the pew could grab hold of and they could read and they'd be really helped to understand what is biblical preaching. Which as we're going to talk about, that's a huge need today. But also, you know, you don't hear too much today. Um, I know I wrote about it in my first book, and I know Christopher Ash has written on it. But you don't see too much written, as you know well, on um, listening to to sermons. So I think that was a really good uh, addition, and it's super encouraging to hear, you know, as well. I think I said it earlier, you know, that pastors who write for their congregation first, that they really do write the best books, um, and I've seen that again and again and again. So uh, thank you for your work in in writing this. No, I appreciate the word of encouragement. Thank you. Yeah. How how important is it to that that we have a, a sound view of scripture and how and maybe why should this uh, view of scripture affect how we preach? Well, inevitably, a low view of scripture is going to result in a low view of preaching. And, and so a high view of scripture is a prerequisite to a high view of preaching. And then with an accurate theology of scripture and then translating that theology into preaching, you can draw a direct line from the authority of scripture to the authority of preaching. And, and oftentimes the Christian sort of views, this would be the best way to illustrate it. The, the average Christian views the reading of God's word in the corporate gathering as the most perfect moment, because it's then that the word of God is read, not preached. And the idea is that when it's preached, some degree of human error is going to enter in and dilute the, the, the pure milk of the word, as it were. And so it's really the reading of God's word in the corporate gathering that is the perfect moment. And Luther, for example, disagreed with that. He, he, he said it was the, the, the preaching of the word of God, the accurate preaching of the word of God that is the most powerful and most perfect moment in the corporate gathering. And, and so I think that's really critical to understand that, that scripture's potency and power are unleashed upon the people of God in glorious and wonderful ways when it's accurately preached. Mm. And so uh, an accurate preaching of the word of God, where it's applied properly to the people of God in the corporate gathering is going to produce much more sanctifying power on a normal basis, ordinarily speaking, than just a plain reading of scripture. And so I think it's critical to have a high view of scripture and when you when you translate that high view of scripture into a high view of preaching, it's going to impact both the preacher and the approach that he has to the word of God in his preparation, but also the disposition and attitude of the congregation as they prepare to hear. 
because when they when they sit under the preaching of God's word, if the word of God is being accurately conveyed to them, they are hearing the very word of God and and ultimately the very voice of God. Mm, that's really good. And, and what we're seeing today is the opposite of that. You know, we're seeing people who profess to have a view of scripture that's high and then then where's how is it affecting their view of preaching? And we don't we don't we see a clear disconnect in that um, over and over again in American evangelicalism, especially uh, today. And that and that that really is sad. I don't I don't say that in a self congratulatory way. Like that that actually make it makes me sad to say that because it should be what you just said. We we should the our view of scripture should be affecting our view of preaching and, and everything, but it's, it's not, and it's not even just uh, that the lack of the right belief is also the lack of um, putting it into practice and, in in functional, functional, functionally, I should say. Yeah. There's no question that when you, when you look at all of the deficiencies of the local church and of the church universal, it all comes back to a failure to preach God's word. It's, it's a deficient preaching of the word of God that, that produces every expression of disobedience, um, everything that is unbiblical about the church today at all, it can all be traced back to preaching. And so um, there's no question that if you go back in history, look at every historical reformative work God's ever done in the church. It's always been in conjunction with the restoration and recovery of biblical preaching. So, you know, you can go like some folks out there may go, well, you know, I can, I can look at contexts where the word of God seems to be being preached and, and it's not, it's not having its proper effect. And I would say this either um, you've got a really incredibly faithful preacher of the word of God preaching on ground and to ground that is incredibly rocky and hard, or you've got a deficiency in the preaching of God's word. And, and so when the, when the word of God is being preached with clarity, with power, precision, when it's being applied, when there's exhortation and all of the things and elements that are supposed to be there with respect to preaching, you are going to see the word of God bear fruit in the lives of God's people. And so, you know, a lot of talk right now, is sort of revolving around what we're seeing in the culture and the idea that some want to postulate is that, that as the church goes, so goes the culture. And I would say, I mean, I think the culture is going to go regardless. I mean, I don't even know if we've ever had an example of a culture that has just increased generation after generation after generation in righteousness. I think anytime we've had a glorious beginning or revival, there's always been a, a backsliding of that generation. So what the problem is, is that the culture has found its way into the church. And the reason why the culture is in the church is because God's word's not being preached. And because it's not being preached, the, the, the individuals, the goats that are coming in aren't being driven out because they're hearing a message in the context of the church that they find palatable. And so you've got tares among the wheat. And in some cases, the tares are outnumbering the wheat. Meanwhile, you've got the true people of God who are starving for the for the preaching of God's word. Mm, keep, keep going, brother. Keep going. That's good stuff right there. Yeah, that's really good. You know, how important or unimportant is it? And you talk about this in the book uh, to uh, to go to seminary uh, to prepare for for ministry. And I know there's a lot of qualifications that you could add. We could both add. But how important is it to for the man to go and be trained? 
Well, it's not so much important that a man necessarily go to seminary because you can go to a bad seminary and that would just be a waste of time and money. Um, But it is critically important for a man to be properly trained in the handling of God's word. Now, if you go to a good seminary, as I did, the master's seminary, you're going to get trained in all of the tools that you need to be able to mine the text of scripture and to do that with a view toward proclaiming it to God's people, explaining it as it is and making appropriate application. Uh, but, but you can get that in the context of your local church. You don't necessarily have to go to seminary to get that. The challenge is going to be that in seminary, typically you're, you're in a three, four year window where you are drinking out of a fire hose and are just immersed in all of the things that you need for seminary. Whereas if you're not in that context and you're working Monday to Friday, nine to five, and, and, and you're being trained in the context of your local church, it's going to take you double, triple, quadruple the time to accomplish the same thing. So, so I would certainly recommend that if a man has aspirations for ministry and that, that, that the calling upon his life has been validated by his, his leadership and the congregation, then he should really consider going to a solid seminary where he's going to get the training he needs to handle God's word and, and failing that. Um, then he needs to ensure that he's doing everything he possibly can to to make himself ready to handle the word of God with accuracy. Mm, that's really good. That's really good. Yeah. How can how how can the local church then uh, support and uh, should the local church, I say, support and then send out the seminary student or should the seminary student just go uh, because they want to go? Yeah, I think there are contexts that can be somewhat unique, but I think ideally you want men in the congregation to be identified by their leadership. In some cases, it's okay if the congregant, the gentleman initiates the conversation, but there should be a dialogue between the prospective seminary student and the leadership. There should be opportunities for that individual to teach and demonstrate that there is an ability to to teach. And there should also be evidence of the qualifications of an elder. Not maybe that he's arrived at this point in time, but that the qualities of an elder are already being developed in his life, that the trajectory is consistent with the calling. And, and, and so I really think that an individual, a man should go to seminary uh, with the support of his leadership and his church and, and the validation of the calling upon his life and not just do it as a solo venture. Yeah, and I think that I think that's really good. And then then the local church is supporting them and providing opportunities for them, whereas the other ways they just go to seminary and they're like, well, I don't have any experience. And we've seen I've seen that far too often. And, uh, you know, then they then they're not ready. They're just getting all this information and maybe they're not spiritually and theologically ready for that kind of, you know, like you said, fire hose. It is a fire hose. And, um, you know, so then they come out the other side and we see what we see what happens. And I think so I think that the, the, the necessary qualifications that you've given are are helpful to helpful to deal with that. Well, brother, you know, we're, we're living in a time, as we both know, where biblical and theological literacy is is rampant. How does biblical preaching really help address this? Well, I think it's critical. One of the qualities of an excellent servant, uh, 1 Timothy 4, and I believe it's actually verse 5 or 6, one of the qualities of an excellent servant is that um, that he point out 
the doctrines of demons that Paul refers to back in verse one of the same chapter. And so we have a responsibility as pastors to point out error and to protect and insulate the body from error. And, and as you preach the word of God and you expose error, that's either coming into the church or that's in society, what you're going to do in the process of that is make the truth shine even brighter because the, the light shines brightly against the backdrop of the darkness. And so as you expose what the error is and assert the truth, like a hammer, the word of God is going to destroy whatever that ideological fortress is. And the truth is going to shine brightly in that. And it's, it's in that process that the church begins to develop, not just discernment, but that for sure, but also conviction where they now have, these convictions that are going to be able to give them the, the, the impetus to refuse error and stand firmly upon the truth. And so the preaching of God's word is obviously going to unleash the word of God upon the minds and hearts of God's people. And as you're exposing the error that exists in society, in the church, that's going to also function to address that biblical illiteracy and, uh, and, and that's really what we're lacking in, in many respects. There's so many congregations around the world that are simply biblically illiterate. And the only way to reverse that is through a robust biblical preaching of the word of God. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. We're, we're, when I, when I lived in California, you lived in California too. I, I think you probably lived in California longer than me. I was only there three years, but you know, the, the wildfire guys, they go out there. And I, when I think of well, biblical literacy, I think of it in that way, because now imagine those guys that would go in and give their life to the to, you know, fighting a wildfire. Instead, they would stand outside of the wildfire. Now, they wouldn't do that. It's ridiculous. But that's exactly what's happening, I think, with biblical and theological literacy in our day. We have too many people just standing by the wayside. They're not going in and they're not willing to to get their hands dirty. And we, we're not even is too few people I think are willing to even talk about the the real issues. So I, I think that your answer is is really good, brother. Um, we we do need to have a, a sound and good view of preaching, like you talked about earlier, and and have it driven from our understanding of the authority of Scripture, because um, that really shapes, as you said, and I agree, uh, everything, uh, including our preaching and teaching and all of it. So, well. Um, how does how does preaching God's word equip the saints to stand against false teaching and train them to handle the word of God rightly? Well, yeah, as far as training them to handle God's word accurately by preaching faithfully week in and week out, you are training your people in how to approach scripture. You're giving them a lesson in hermeneutics every single Sunday. You're, you're showing them how exegesis works because you're not typically just explaining what it means, but you're showing your congregation what it means and how you've arrived at those conclusions. So you're giving them even a lesson in how to understand the scriptures. And so that is critically important. And then, yeah, I mean, as they, as they are under the sound preaching of the word of God, their ability to discern error is going to be sharpened ever more. And you can certainly see it. I can see it in my children, um, you know, because with your kids, sometimes you even wonder, whether or not they're listening, you know, and, and, and as you interact with them and they, they hear stuff that doesn't sound right or that's wrong, they're, they're going to go, Hey, that doesn't sound right. Or, or no, that's, that's not correct. And no, that's not, that's not the truth. This is what God's word says. And you go, wow. Okay. So they are listening. Um, so yeah, there's no question that as you're, 
as you're preaching the word of God, it's going to, it's going to strengthen the muscles of discernment that the church needs to be able to identify both false teachers and their teaching. It's mm, really good. Yeah. Some people, when I have said similar things to you, they're like, well, that's not, that's not really true. You know, um, it doesn't matter. You're not supposed to, you're just supposed to, well, these are the same people who would argue, you know, they don't need to go to church and they don't need mm. to sit under preaching. And um, I, I've heard this kind of argument before. So you're, you're absolutely right. Th these things help us. They help us to learn to rightly handle the word of God. Um, not just from, our, you know, from our pastor who is, who is studying and, you know, that's why, you, that's why I guess even we, you know, we don't want to presume on anything, but that's why you would go to a church that has the right convictions about the Bible. And so, you know, that's going to influence, like you said earlier, we said earlier, the, the view of preaching and the ministry that you would sit under. Um, and so, yeah, but there are, there are a lot of people out there. You'd be surprised at how many people will say, oh, I don't need to learn from my pastor's preaching. I'm good by myself and, and on and on. And, and I think that's, that's tragic. Well, yeah, you think about the apostle Peter, he referred to the teaching of the apostle Paul in second Peter chapter three as being things that are hard to understand. So you've got the apostle Peter identifying that the apostle Paul has written things in his letters that are difficult. Well, obviously, if there are difficult things in the word of God, then it requires training, skill, effort, time, energy to be able to accurately handle those things. And, you know, you think about if you're going to go under the knife of a surgeon for heart surgery, or if you're going to take your car to the mechanic or whatever else you're going to do, you're going to want to make sure the person who's working on your car or your heart is an expert in their craft that they are effective, that they know what they're doing. And for some reason, when it comes to the handling of the word of God, the, the things of God, there's an attitude that, that sort of belittles the, the, the structure that God has put in place for the stewardship of his mysteries. And, uh, and so there's no question that the, 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 the congregation, the average Christian needs the whole body of Christ without a doubt. But in that body are men who have been called and equipped to take a really prominent role in the building up of the body of Christ and the preaching of God's word. And so to say that you don't need that is really to manifest an attitude of independence. And that's really the boastful pride of life that you see in first uh, John two, uh, 15 through 17. Um, it's, it's the, that's from the world and, and it's an attitude of independence. It's, it's an attitude and disposition of pride. We are dependent. We can do nothing apart from Christ. And that includes that we must utilize the means that he has put in place for our own spiritual growth and development. And that includes being under the preaching of God's word in a local church by men who have been called and equipped and are qualified to, to handle the word of God. I mean, you know, I, and I'll and I'll say it this way. I agree with that. But, you know, no matter where your education is and no matter how, what your theological knowledge is or, or ability or whatever, you know, we all need the the preaching of God's word. Um, we need it for our, our own growth. In fact, the older I get, you know, I need it. I need it. Um, you know, uh, even though I do pulpit supply, I need it. And I, I, I need it. I need to be fed, especially the more that you are writing and even doing things like that. 
uh, you need to, you need the the input of God's word, even though you know I, for my case, I'm you know reading and studying my Bible all the time. I still need the preaching of God's word, and you know everybody needs it. We need the we need to hear the word. We need to you know read and study our Bible personally, but we also need to be under the word, and that's true for if you have a master's degree, a doctorate degree, or you just you know you're a janitor. All of us need it and that doesn't mean to be clear that just because you might have a theology degree doesn't mean that you're better or greater than anybody else um either it just means you know some people have got that education and some people don't and that's okay we're but we all come in in need of the same thing the word preached and we all need to sit under it and we all need to hear it and we all need to be humble as we do and to enjoy that that ministry um and to benefit from it so, um, well, a big part of it too, as it relates to the preacher is when he's in the text of God's word each week, day in and day out, laboring in the text of scripture to prepare to preach, he's exposing himself to gloriously sanctifying power in the scripture that he critically needs if he's going to live the life he's called to live. And so when you have for example, pastors who aren't really laboring in the text of scripture and it's evident in their preaching, you're, you're likely going to see deficiencies in their life as well that are going to manifest themselves over time. And, and uh, it's, a, it's a scary thing to be in pastoral ministry. You're on the front lines. We're in a spiritual war. The enemy wants to pick off those whom he can. And, and so the, the pastor, the preacher, needs to be immersed in the word of God for his own spiritual growth and protection. And, and so if he's, not, if he's not engaging in that time and is spending his time elsewhere, then, um, then he's, he's liable to, uh, to being easily picked off. And you do a really good job at this, um, taking, taking that and emphasizing that because, you know, it is, it is a big thing you know, where if you're not going to be in the word of God, you know, and you're not going to be under the word yourself. Um, I think it was Owen, you know, the word won't pass with us the power, you know, and you have to be input. The word needs to be inputting into your life and you need to be studying it and meditating on it and taking it home yourself. If you ever hope to be an effective servant um, of of the word and instrument of the word you know brother we're we're living in a time when we're talking about false teaching where there's a lot of confusion about the voice of god hearing from god and those kind of things today how does understanding the voice of god in scripture elevate one's view of preaching well i think some people typically come to the preaching event where the preacher is very prominent and they feel like they're having a dialogue primarily with the preacher. It's not, uh, it's not a two-way street dialogue because it's a, a monologue in that sense where they're on the receiving end of the sermon. But they're, the, the, the preacher is, is too elevated in the exchange, in the transaction. And when you understand that the preacher is bringing the word of God and that the preaching of the word of God is the word of God, and you also understand that the scriptures refer to the word of God as the voice of God so that when the, the true meaning of scripture is being represented, that you're actually hearing the voice of God, that it's not primarily the, 
the, the, the voice of the preacher you're hearing, but rather the, the voice of God coming through the text of scripture, it elevates everything. And, and, and then, you know, when you are cut to the quick on a particular issue, you're not going to be so quick to knee jerk against the preacher for stepping on your toes in some particular way. Instead, you're going to go like, no, hang on a second here. Is the word of God being preached? Is this an accurate representation of, of the meaning of this text of scripture? Has it been appropriately applied? Well, then I've just heard God's voice. And, and so I need to reckon with God, not with the preacher. So I think um, that doesn't bypass, you know, being a noble Berean and, and searching the scripture to, scripture to see if these things are so. That's to be there and in place. And really that, that whole endeavor is a, an endeavor of humility, not where the listener is in judgment over the preacher or in judgment over the word of God, but where the, the listener in humility comes under the word of God submits to the scriptures and, and seeks to see if the things are so with that disposition of humility. But, um, but yeah, I think when you understand that the voice of God is coming through his word and that the, the goal of the preacher is to accurately represent God's voice to his people then it's going to elevate the, the significance of the, the corporate gathering, elevate the significance of the preaching of God's word and cultivate a disposition that, that is more tender and humble to receive what is given. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really good, brother. Really good. We're going to come back to that. And actually, you know what, Let, let's talk about that. What is the best way to prepare you know, for the Lord's Day during the week, and and what advice would you have for Christians to do that as they as they prepare, even even after they've heard the sermon, um, to you know for for the next Sunday. Yeah, so I think after yeah, it's hard to know where to start. Well, let's just start kind of on on uh, on Monday. Yeah, let's do that. Um, and and kind of work through the week. Well, I think it's really important for a Christian, a believer, to be in the word of God on a regular basis. They need to be in God's word and, and, and reading the scriptures for themselves, spending time in the word and prayer. There, there needs to be the cultivation of, of fellowship, communion, intimacy with God that needs to be taking place. And then you can get more specific with respect to prayer as it relates to the preacher and the corporate gathering. You can begin to pray as the week progresses that the, that the pastor would receive help and assistance from the Holy Spirit to, to determine the accurate meaning of scripture and, and that he would also impart really helpful and powerful points of application and exhortation. And so you begin to pray for both the preacher and the, the preaching of the word of God. And then you can begin to pray for the hearts of God's people, your family. You can begin to pray for your children and go even broader than that, the, the body of Christ, even unbelievers who are going to be present. And so as you begin to pray that way, you're going to cultivate anticipation for the preaching and hearing of God's word. That alone will, will have a disposition of your heart that is, is in a unique place to receive on that day. You'll come with a greater sense of expectation. And then, you know, as you're listening to the word of God, as you're hearing it, I think everyone has their own kind of approach with respect to note taking and that kind of a thing. But let's say you're not a note taker. Well, I think you want to be able to identify in the preaching moment, specific things that need to be addressed, because as you're hearing the word of God, there's going to be times when 
the Holy Spirit's going to touch an issue in your life, in your heart, and it's going to be clear as day what it is. And you're going to immediately confess your sin, repent of that sin it's dealt with. But there are going to be other times when, you know, you've been given something to think about and, and the preaching moment doesn't afford for you the opportunity to be able to work all that out. And you want to be able to remember what that is, what triggered it. You know, you might even want to be able to know which point it came in. And so I think there's there's a benefit to, you know, making a, a note of kind of like the, the outline of the sermon and, and being able to take some notes down just so you can go back. And then after the service, after the fellowship, when you're home that evening to revisit that and go, okay, what did I hear today? And, and, and that really pressed something home on my heart and, and I need to deal with that and then wrestle with God in prayer on that piece and make application of what you heard that day to your life. And I think, I think that as Christians, all of us are, are deficient at every step, both in the preparation, both in um, the actual moment itself, as well as uh, after the fact in how we apply what we've heard too often, we're not coming to the table prayerful. When we get there to the corporate gathering, we may be distracted or we're not listening attentively or we're not making note of things that we hear. And then there's no real application after the fact. We're not revisiting what we heard to, to identify, okay, what did the Lord really press home today? And, 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 you know, where are there changes that need to take place in my life? And so I think at every step we're, we're oftentimes coming up short. And, and if we strengthen our, our behavior in, in those areas, I think we're going to, we're going to go further in unlocking the sanctifying power of scripture upon our lives. It's mm, really good. Yeah. Something my wife, something I think guys can do is, is afterwards having a time, you know, with your, with your spouse. And even if you have kids with your kids uh, at lunch or something, just talking, Hey, what were some things that stood out from the sermon? Uh, what, what are some, you know, like you mentioned, applicate, what are some application points? Um, some things that stood out. I, I'm a, that's why one thing I'm a fan of is, is small groups that go over the sermon because you have to think about the sermon. Usually they're, they're, you know, some of them have been in Wednesday. So it it keeps you thinking about the sermon so that you know, hey, I'm going to be asked a question or I'm going to be asked to maybe give some thoughts and well, do I have any thoughts? And so you, you, you're having to think ahead about what, hey, what did I hear? Um, what stood out? Um, yeah, I think that's good. And I think it's also good, like what you said, to write down those points. Uh, I, I don't do that. Probably I don't do that. So uh, I should do that. Even though, even though I am kind of the opposite of taking notes myself, I should do that. That's that's a good that's a good point. How does uh, how does a statement from Truman, the absence of God's word is the absence of God, have the potential to revolutionize the way we preach the word of God? Yeah, so I think we we understand that God is omnipresent, so we understand that He is everywhere present all at once. Um, so we understand that, but. But we also recognize from Amos that there's a, a prophecy that God's people would go to and fro to seek out the word of God. And, and to have to seek for something that's not there is, is a, a seeking for God himself in reality. And, and so if there's, an, if there's a, a famine in the land for the hearing and preaching of God's word, 
and, and you can't hear the voice of God, you can't hear the word of God, then, then you are, you are suffering from an absence of his manifest presence. And in terms of what comes through in the preaching of God's word, you know, the reformers, John Calvin being one of them would talk about preaching as a manifestation of the presence of God. And, and so obviously God is omnipresent, but nevertheless, if his presence is manifested through the preaching of God's word, his presence is manifested in a way that it, it, he's not made manifest simply by means of his omniscience. And so if we understand that the absence of God's word is the absence of God, then, you know, it's going to impact a number of things. We're going to ensure the word of God is the, the, the focus of the preaching moment. We're going to spend less time telling stories, you know, less time being glib and, and funny. Um, we're going to spend more time unpacking the word of God and being diligent in, in the preaching of God's word. We're going to understand that as the people of God, when we come to hear the word of God, that, that his presence, the presence of God is, is being manifested in a way that is wonderful and glorious and, and should put the fear of God in our hearts. And so it, you know, preaching is really an encounter with God and, and the whole corporate gathering. I mean, even first Corinthians three sixteen talks about how the spirit dwells among us, that, that we are a temple of God when we come together as local churches and, and the spirit of God dwells among us. It's a very unique moment in, in the life of the church, when we gather corporately on Sundays and, and the preaching of the word of God is the crown jewel of that gathering where, um, where God's glory is being declared and revealed, the glory of Christ is being declared and revealed. And, and, um, and really that just ties into preaching being the primary means of grace, that there are many means of grace the spirit uses to mold us into the image of Christ. And, and the word of God is the, the, the primary means without a question. And within the, 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 the means of the word of God, preaching is the crown jewel because it's the most potent exposure to the word of God that we're going to get on a, on an ordinary basis. And, and, and is the, the tool, the means by which God has ordained that he would build his church. Hmm. And so, um, so yeah, understanding the presence of God in preaching and, and, and even the primary means of grace being preaching, again, it's just going to elevate the, the priority that we give to preaching. And that's actually important to hear, even in a podcast world. You know, you and I are doing a podcast right now. We're in the era of the podcasts. And, and there's no question that podcasts can be helpful. They can provide edification and, and everything else. But they, they can't replace preaching. Preaching is the, the primary means of grace in the life of the believer. And so we, we, you can't, you can't replace preaching with podcasts, um, and, and expect that you're going to be well nourished upon the word of God. And so, um, preaching is critical. We need to come back to that. Christians need to understand that. And I think if the church were to return to that disposition toward preaching, uh, it would, it would, it would chart a trajectory that would be much more um, profitable, fruitful for the, for the, the years to come. Amen, brother. Yep. I say, I often tell people on this podcast and others, your favorite podcaster is not your pastor. You know, <laughs> it's not, it's not like, Oh, that's a mic drop. I'm like, dude, it's, he's not, you know, I'm not your pastor. You know, I'm just trying to provide helpful content to resource the local church, you know, to point you back to the church, to, to be equipped 
you know uh and so yeah what 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 you just said james so important and and we need to say that more often you know because we do live in this world of just podcasting and you know everybody can get up on a mic and but it's not it's not the local church you know none of us not very few podcasters are biblically qualified elders and where they're in the local church and they're serving the local church and that's great if they are but they're still not their pastor you know um I, so yeah i think i think you, i think you have to say that too you know we've been talking about hearing the word preaching the word uh what are some of the effects of spiritual sluggishness and the remedies to it yeah i mean spiritual sluggishness is um you know the you you know you're spiritually sluggish when you're not responsive to the word of god uh psalm 95 today if you would hear his voice do not harden your hearts um so so sluggishness is um it expresses itself in a dullness of hearing. You know, you're, you're by now you should be a teacher, but you're needing for the fundamentals of the Christian life to be relayed all over, all over again. You you need the foundation relayed all over again. So, you know, a lack of progress in, in the things of God, where you're not, you're not growing past the foundational elements of the the Christian life, Um, a lack of discernment, you know, sluggishness is going to manifest itself in a lack of discernment where you're, you're blown to and to and throw to and to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Um, you know, so I think dullness of hearing unresponsiveness to the word, a lack of discernment and, and, and the way to deal with all of that is ultimately to repent. I mean, to identify what the catalysts are for your spiritual sluggishness to, to identify why it is that you're not hearing the word of God with clarity and power to, to see what in your life is stifling the effectiveness of the word of God. And oftentimes it's going to be sin where sin is like earwax. Um, uh, forget the gentleman last name, Ramey. He's got that illustration in his book called expository listening, where, where sin is like earwax in the ears. It's, it's affecting your ability to hear the word of God, uh, where it could be worldliness that you are just dulling your appetite for the things of God, because you're, you're, you're just worldly and earthly minded and exposing yourself to things that, that aren't nourishing your heart upon Christ. And, and again, as you do that, you're going to just find yourself regressing spiritually where, you're not even going to be living up to the sanctifying uh, development that's already taken place in your life. And you're, you're, you're backsliding into sin. And so you've got to repent of that. You've got to identify what's causing that uh, uproot it from your life and then renew by God's grace, your commitment to walking in a manner worthy of him and Christ and the gospel. Mm, it's really good, brother. Really good. Well, where can people go to, I know you're not on social media, but your wife is, but where can people go to find you online or otherwise? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my wife, you can go to my wife cause she, she certainly, um, you know, makes my ministry visible there. You can go to our, our YouTube page, Grace Life Church of Edmonton YouTube page where our sermons are posted. You can go to our website where you can see, you know, all of our sermons that have been that have been preached over the years. Um, I think that more or less covers it. Uh, as far as preaching and hearing God's word, 
Uh, it's it's not available in a lot of places. So for the Americans, it's available through G3. Uh, for Canadians, it's at Amazon.ca, and uh, and it's uh, I think it's like thirteen bucks on Amazon.ca and and less uh, at G3. It's about a, a hundred pages, so it's a quick read. But I think it's going to be uh, beneficial to a lot of folks as they just seek to have their theology of preaching elevated and seek to to change their their approach to the corporate gathering. Yeah, it's it's a really like you said, it is a quick read, but it's a really helpful read. It's something that you want to you know take the time to to really read slowly. Don't read it. I mean, you can read it quickly, but really take I think taking the time to really read and and digest it. Um, it'll it'll make a big difference um, in in your life. Um, so. Well, James, this has been a really great conversation, brother. Uh, I appreciate you. And guys, the book is Preaching and Hearing God's Word from our friends at G3 Press. I encourage you to pick it up there or, as James said, at uh, Amazon um, CA. Is that right? Yeah, .ca. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much for your time and for your ministry. And, and we're thankful for all the ways the Lord is using you, brother. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. We'll see you again. See you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.